We are I. Good morning, everybody. 4.30 a.m. here on this Thursday morning, January 4th, 2024. Now, there's a lot of things, obviously, that have crossed my mind this morning. I've been up since 3.24, you know, cruising through the news and, you know, just thinking about my day yesterday. But the few things that were really concerning to me that, that I read... I don't know how many people know that are outside of Canada, and a lot of people inside of Canada don't know <laughs> this either, but uh, Justin Trudeau's been trying to censor the internet for years, and he's doing this under the guise of trying to prevent bullying online, which is just is absolutely insane. It's just a way to be able to censor content that's on the internet and uh, slip kind of a little bit more into an authoritarian system all the time when... When you filter news, this is the only thing that happens because it hasn't stopped bullying online, nor will it ever. But the one thing that we do know is it has stopped news flow in Canada. And a lot of news agencies, including the CBC or all the way up to Meta or some of the independent you know, um, news outlets in Canada, have all posted online how their content is blocked in Canada, which is insane. That's censoring news that's what we as people have the right to do now the crtc who you know has been bestowed this responsibility to be able to regulate the internet they're the ones who regulate radio and you know broadcasting channels but the one thing that's scary a part of this that got reported on yesterday and this is you know care of black locks reporter you know which is a great independent news source is that one of the bullet points I'll read these bullet points, but the the one that sticks out the most, I'll, I'll expand upon that in a minute. The CRTC may regulate the following areas. The process for exemption order requests, the mandatory bargaining and final offer arbitration process, requests for eligibility of news businesses. Like, think of that one. The request for eligibility. So that means me here on this podcast just talking about news and news headlines and maybe wanting to keep people informed of things that I've seen, according to the CRTC, I'm going to need their approval to be able to do this. This is the most fucking ludicrous part about this Bill C-18. This is the one that this bullet point that I'm about to read right here is the most insane part of this. The creation of a code of conduct. What you are allowed to say and not say. Now, This goes all the way back. Like, think of the days when you weren't allowed to swear online, or not even online, on radio stations or on the news, when everything was prim and proper in these neat little packages. You know, you got fined, massive fines for stepping, you know, outside that line. And that was the best part about, you know, Sirius Satellite Radio is it allowed people to be able to say whatever the fuck they wanted to. They didn't have to abide by these rules. This was also a great part about the internet is it just allowed you to be able to talk freely as a human being. If you wanted to swear, you could swear. If you wanted to talk about taboo topics, you could talk about taboo topics. Because the one thing I realized in my adult life, when 
who gets to decide what a taboo topic is? Or this code of conduct, you have to believe this narrative. Well, because COVID, we realized this. Everything that they said was taboo turned out to be true. And it's turning out to be more true all the time. So what's this code of conduct? And who is the one who gets to influence what that code of conduct is? And the last bullet point here, a complaint process pertaining to how groups of eligible news businesses are to be structured and their uh, conduct under the act. And again, they get to choose who's allowed to be able to structure news. And then they get to choose what that code of conduct is. Like if that doesn't worry you, I don't know what will. Now a big headline here in you know Canada because he had this Justin Trudeau, which is the biggest fall down in politics ever, just an absolute laughing stock of the international community and has done the same thing to Canada, stood up, you know, in the fall of this year, well, last year, actually, 2023, and said, I'm calling all the big business, all the, you know, big grocers to Ottawa, and I'm going to tell you that you have to lower food prices and stabilize food prices, and I'm the man because I'm going to do this as he stood up there and puffed up his chest, which we all knew as Canadians was just such bullshit. Well, as of today, one of the headlines here, food costs didn't stabilize. Shocking. Costs of most foods went up, not down, after industry minister uh, Field Bay Champagne claimed to, air quote, stabilize prices. Stats Canada figures showed yesterday that Champagne promised the best possible deal for Canadians, air quotes, at the supermarket checkouts following a September 18th meeting with grocers. What does that mean? Nothing. Because food prices have gone up. Why? Because of the fucking carbon tax. One of the reasons, the carbon tax, making it more costly for farmers, making it more costly for trucking, making it more costly all across the board. And The absolute insane part of this is saying that you're going to think that these federal politicians are going to put their foot down and be able to change these things while simultaneously implementing policies that increase the cost of living across the board in all areas. This is the lunacy of our federal government. Now, this ties into some true north breaking headlines here in Canada for January 4th. That... (laughs) Excuse me. Scott Moe, one of our fearless fighters here, the premier of Saskatchewan. Great man. Very subtle. You know, it's been in news headlines, but not a lot of people know because it's not reported on because he's not really toting the line or not toting the line of the federal government. This started during COVID. Scott Moe has been one of those people that really stuck his neck out and he's continuing to do so. Continuing to do so in a way to be able to combat some of these prices that Saskatchewan's natural gas utility, with the support of Scott Moe, has dropped the carbon tax from home heating bills in response to the federal government's carbon tax carve-out for Atlantic Canadians. Canadian Taxpayer Federation Alberta Director Chris Sims joined True North Andrew Lawton's to discuss. So I don't know if you've been following this in Canada or if you're from around the world that Justin Trudeau and these, again, federal fall-downs did a carve-out for home heating amongst conservative pressure because the cost of heating people's houses in Atlantic Canada was so high 
that they did a carve out for that carbon tax, but they said that they refused to do it for any other Canadian for any other reason. Well, now you have these premiers giving exemptions because guess what it is in the wintertime in Saskatchewan? Fucking cold. Really cold. Like absurdly cold. So what do you think happens when it's absurdly cold? You use your heat. Well, now that you have this extra carbon tax on home heating, what do you think that does? Well, what do you think grocery stores have to do in the wintertime? What do you think that truckers have to do in the wintertime? Let their trucks run longer. They got to keep the heat going. The grocery stores got to keep the, you know, the store warm. It's cold. It's minus 30, minus 35, minus 40 some days in Saskatchewan. What do you think that does to the cost of food prices? Makes it go up. What do you think that does to people's pocketbooks? Makes them go down. So it's nice when you see some premiers that are willing to stick their neck out and say, you know what? No, we are not going along with this federal government's agenda and we will fight this in court. In the meantime, we are going to try our best to be able to reduce the cost for Canadians, specifically people in Saskatchewan. And you've seen this in Alberta too, um, when they dropped the tax on gasoline making their gasoline prices cheap, taking the provincial tax off gasoline to be able to bring the cost down when the federal government was bringing the price up. So another headline you have here with this, I seen this a few days ago and this actually really disgusted me. And I didn't see this same headline, but the headline that I seen a few days ago is that the BC Supreme Court says unconstitutional to limit drug use in outdoor spaces. And because I got to thinking, I'm like, who the fuck filed this lawsuit? Like, who filed a lawsuit in Canada's Supreme Court saying that we want to have unlimited public drug use? Now, this isn't like just cannabis. Like you, you're legally allowed to smoke marijuana outside. We're talking about all drug use. Like heroin. Like crystal meth cocaine, all these things. This is what somebody filed a lawsuit for. Now, True Norse headline takes us to a place that I didn't think of, yet is perfectly logical because this is where a lot of drug use happens. And you can't deny this. BC Supreme Court rules drug use in playgrounds protected under the Constitution. Keeping drug users away from playgrounds would cause air quotes, in irreparable harm, British Supreme or British Columbia Supreme Court has ruled. The BC Supreme Court issued an injunction striking down an amendment to the NDP government's pilot project, which tried to keep drug users away from areas where children congregate. The province was nine months into a pilot program to decriminalize personal possession of illegal drugs under the weight of 2.5 grams. By federal exemption, fentanyl, heroin, cocaine, meth, MDMA, all became legal to possess and use anywhere throughout the province of BC. The playground, air quote, amendment, was enacted September 18th to walk back leniency on where people could use their drugs, restricting users to be at least 15 meters away from a playground, skate park, or outdoor spray pool, or wading pool. And somebody went to court to fight this so that people could use drugs openly at the playground when children are around. What fucking 
country and province do we live in where this is a fucking priority? Is that not insane? About as insane as you flip here to Al Jazeera News, obviously, where I go for a lot of international news. And them talking about how the Epstein files, a lot of them, I think like 250 uh, or 950 court documents were released yesterday. And there's more to come. And the part that I thought was interesting about this is that under the headline of the Epstein files being released, or the first initial tranche of them, the first tranche of documents running to nearly 950 pages began to be released on Wednesday night and largely consisted of already public material revealed through nearly two decades of newspaper stories, TV documentaries, interviews, legal cases, and books about the Epstein scandal. More papers are expected to be unsealed or redacted in the coming days. Now, this is where it gets interesting because this is how far does this go and where is this going to lead? Is this another Hunter Biden laptop story where there's an incredibly big story hiding in plain sight in full view of everybody and nobody's going to do about anything about it? Dozens of women have accused Epstein of forcing them to provide sexual services to him and his guests at his private Caribbean island and homes he owned in New York, Florida, and New Mexico. The records provided a reminder of how Epstein hobnawed with famous and powerful figures, including bankers, royalty, and celebrities. The latest documents include references to men, including former United States President Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, Britain's Prince Andrew, billionaire Tom Pritzker, and lawyer Andrew Dershowitz. The appearance of the names on the court documents is not evidence of wrongdoing and does not indicate the men facing allegations. But it does. It really does. Because what in the fuck were you doing there? And this kind of is the icing on the cake because this was news that many previously denied and denied the claims of having knowledge of activities of Epstein who pleaded guilty of soliciting prostitution from a minor in 2008. Prince Andrew was stripped of most of his royal titles due to his association with Epstein and settled a civil lawsuit with Uh, Um, last year for an undisclosed sum. Well, if there's no wrongdoing for being on that list, why are you being stripped of your royal duties? Why was there a civil lawsuit that was settled outside of court for an undisclosed sum? Big, big story hiding in plain sight for all to see and nobody doing anything about it. Interesting. Very interesting. This is the problem because then you have all these time wasters on this pointless fucking shit that they want to report on, but will not report on something as big as all these world elites, the majority of these world elites, having sex with underage girls in hot, sunny Caribbean destinations, or a dude who owns his own private island, somebody who nobody knows how this guy made his money, and they seized $600 million of his assets. Explain to me how the fuck that makes sense. It's the same thing as all these politicians who get into positions of government, especially in the United States, who make like $150,000 a year, who are worth like $40 million, $50 million, 
100 million, 150 million after getting into office. Not family money after getting into office. Now, this last headline here from the CBC of all shitty news places, which I got off my Google News feed because, again, I try to lean into news sources from all over, except, you know, obviously a few, but I get them from the CBC, even when I don't want them. But their politics section has this headline, Military Whistleblower Calls on Conservatives to Demand Probe a Torture Video Reports. Former soldier reported Iraqi security recruits showed trainers cell phone videos of torture and rape. The former soldier who blew the whistle on alleged torture videos involving Iraqi security forces who were trained by Canadian troops has made a direct appeal to opposition leader Pierre Polyev in a letter retired Sergeant Mike McInnes called on the Conservatives to push for a follow-up investigation into how military handled his warnings. He said his efforts to get the attention of the Canadian Armed Forces and the Department of National Defense have led to nowhere. So this is what happened. We've heard this countless times. If you follow any news about any war, this is happening on a regular basis. That either our troops, not all of them, our troops go over. Like think of how this happened in Vietnam. Like the rape and torture of like women and children. And it's still happening. And what are you doing when you go over there when you're training these fucking people and they're showing you this shit? How the fuck do we support these people? And this is where it gets into geopolitics and people meddling in other people's shit where we should never be. This is who we're propping up. This is who we are fighting against. This is the mentality. Not of all people. No, I'm not not painting this as this is like every Iraqi soldier. But again, when you go over there and you see things like this and you see a lot of things going on, and again, there's a lot of good apples amongst these bad apples. I'm not painting that brush so widely and generically as everybody. But what the actual fuck? Like, come on. What the actual fuck? Because we know this happens in all of these situations that we prop up or that we help prop up. Constantly turning a blind eye to the atrocities this shit. <laughs> you want to go over to these places and say, we're bringing democracy and we're fighting for democracy. Let's use the Ukraine, for example. And how? When they have one of their head military officials got caught stealing billions of dollars. And what happened? He got fired. Well, dude, come on. Let's be real. As a top military official, how much money are you really making in the Ukraine? I have no idea. Let's overinflate it. Let's call it 500 grand Canadian a year. Well, dude, if you stole billions of dollars and all you did is get fired, what a great fucking business decision. Best bonus you've ever got. Not saying you're not corrupt and you're funneling off millions of dollars anyway, but you just got caught stealing billions of dollars and all that happened is you got fired. So... No need to say more. This is what's happening. So there's a few news headlines and things I was thinking about this morning and things that form my opinion and things that I feel it's all of our job to be able to talk about because of the fact 
I'm hoping that as we talk about these things, the more that we realize that we need to focus on our communities around us and stay with a municipal mindset. Because if you stay with a municipal mindset, this allows you to be able to have influence in your community. And we make our individual communities stronger by proxy. Our provinces and our states get stronger. And by proxy, our nations get stronger. How our nations get weaker is when we focus solely on this national and international mindset, like that's the only thing that matters. Because our communities are being left behind because people just don't focus on them and bringing them up enough. So, January 4th. There's some news headlines for you. Chew on that fat. <laughs> <laughs>